Hello and welcome back to Not The Gear, the photographer podcast. Thanks for tuning in and for allowing us into your ears. This week we've got a hard out because we started recording a little bit late, so I'm going to talk with this slightly frenetic, tense, caffeinated voice. Um, and with me, as usual, is Dan M. Lee. Hi, Dan. Hi, how you doing? I- I'm all right, as, uh, except for the coffee. Uh, right. And the fact that, you know, life. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But in every other respect, absolutely fine. Okay, that's good. Uh, so, um, I've actually rather let you um, glance through the photographic news this week, haven't I? Yes, you have. You all know our format is for talk about three uh, stories in the world of photography. Um, this, as you may have guessed, is the week that the Academy Awards uh, announced the lucky winners. Um, to be honest, I didn't stay up and watch who won. Does it matter? No. Dan started by shaking his head, but then got the audio no in there, which is helpful for those of us. <laughs> right, for you people listening at home, I shook my head. <laughs> the only bit I ever remember is that there's a nice little video, isn't there, about everyone who died this year. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a nice little video, can you? Well, I, guess, I, guess, I think I guess it's edited know. a great effort because it's shown in front of the film industry. You want to be careful about that kind of thing don't you i guess so no maybe you're right yeah maybe i'm taking the uh the, the credit away from the videographer and the editor for that the last time i actually <laughs> saw an oscars all the way through i think it was like titanic year when it might be my imagination but i'm pretty sure they did like they came out on the bow of a boat and they played titanic music at every interval so right. you sort of got an idea of the way things are going well before the um the scores were read out <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I did watch a bit of the Oscars, but I kind of uh, lost the will to live. Um, unfortunately, there's not many cliffs off here for me to jump off. So um, I, I tuned out very quickly and went and watched something else instead. I was thinking about it last night because uh, I was, you know, going to be asleep by the time the Oscars started. I think it takes some dedication to stay up and watch a ceremony that starts at one at night, as it does for us in the UK. Right, um, yeah. Presumably well, it all happens awkwardly early in Los Angeles, though, so you guys can enjoy it as well. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's daylight when everyone's turning up and on the red carpet and stuff, and uh, um, it's, I think it was 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock it started here, I think, and uh, I, think, I think I watched about 45 minutes of the red carpet and I wanted to shoot myself. You didn't want to go and get a camera and shoot people as they were... No, 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 no. I said no. camera... <laughs> I just wanted to uh, uh, put a blanket over my head and, and, and slip into unconsciousness. That's, uh, I mean, that's how the rest of the world has been reacting to political events in your country, but that's how you're reacting to the uh, the social and uh, creative as well. <laughs> yeah. That is a great start to this week, doesn't it? Okay, <laughs> it does, let's, let's move swiftly on into the first story that you've chosen for us, so I'm going to have to get you to talk me through. Uh, which is, which is uh, Vanity Fair. So it does actually slip nicely in. It, it does indeed. So Vanity Fair are having a exhibit, which is going to be showing a lot of the covers and the uh, the Hollywood stars that have been gracing their cover over a period of, I think it's a hundred and something years. Um, and it's well worth going to see. Um, there's uh, pop culture, there's glamour, there's all sorts of people from the film industry that are going to be presented in that exhibition too. Uh, and a few surprises, I believe. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a fairly fun thing to go and see. So I think it's running in Hollywood um, from February 8th 
uh, through to the 26th. Of... And is it coming to anywhere less unpleasant? I'm sorry? Is it coming to anywhere less unpleasant after Hollywood? No, you have to go to Hollywood, unfortunately, because that's kind of their thing. Um, there's lots of Hollywood people on the front, so I'm guessing it makes sense for it to have it in Hollywood. I'm wondering if it may come to, it, it may go on the road after that, which is a high possibility because these kind of things... It is, after all, mostly pictures in frames, right? Right, right, absolutely. So it's easy to pack up and send somewhere else, I suppose. It looks like it looks like a good exhibit to go and see. So I, I may even if I'm over over in that part of the country, I think I'll uh, I'll pop over and go and see it. But yeah, it's called um, Vanity Fair Hollywood Calling is the event. It looks fairly cool, and that's at the um, Annisburg Space for Photography in Los Angeles. I, I mean, for, for for some of the portraits that you do get on Vanity Fair, I think some of them are just just fantastic. Some of them are actually shot in New York too, but that's a that's a dirty little secret we can't really talk about. Oops, I let it out. Um, so the, um, yeah, I just think it would be a, a fantastic thing to go and see from uh, people that are interested in portraits and the different styles that are on there. Um, there's always, is it still there's... a worthwhile aspiration, do you think, shooting for Vanity I think so. Fair? Like, I mean, is it going to be around? I think so. I think it's one of the few magazines that, still, that people still pick up uh, and buy. Um, I mean, you look at some of the advertising and bits and pieces you've got you've got in there as well as some of the features. I mean, a lot of money is spent on that magazine, a ridiculous amount of money. Um, so I think that I think that it's going to be around for a good time, and I think it's a good aspiration. It's like it's like Rolling Stone magazine, right? Same same deal. Um, everyone wants to be on the cover of Rolling Stone from a music perspective and and pop culture as a whole. Um, but I think the Vanity Fair is good for for actors and all that kind of thing, and they aspire to be on that. And I think it'd be a great thing to have on your CV to say that you shot even just one cover for Vanity Fair. Yeah, so I, I think it would be a great thing to be on a photographer's CV. I, I, my yeah. question is really, especially as you know, eventually internet is coming on planes and stuff, whether anyone will ever buy it for any reason other than one or two industry insiders, and if that's enough to keep a magazine like that running. Um. It's a good question. I think in I think maybe in the maybe in the next ten years, I think all magazines I think will eventually die off. Um, if Vanity Fair or even Rolling Stone will survive that, I've no idea. But uh, it's an interesting question. What do you? And that's that's something maybe the listeners can tell us. What do they think? Yeah. Have you lost any work recently, or uh, have you stopped buying any magazines recently? <laughs> I think the answer to that is going to be yes. <laughs> Or do you still buy Vanity Fair and do you still buy Rolling Stone magazine? Or Did do you, you ever buy it? Vanity Fair? Have you ever seen it in real life? Yes, I have. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Uh... In, the, in the concession stand at an airport? No, I don't mean like... <laughs> I, saw it, I saw it in the reception just before I had my knee surgery. I'm not too uh... sure if that counts. Oh, yeah, private medicine. That might explain it. Right, right. They might, they might buy them all over the place to say, look, this is how you're going to look after your plastic surgery. Maybe that's kind of the way they pitch it. Give you it. something to aspire to. Like when you're in the hospital popping by for some knee surgery, they've got to try and upsell you on a bit of plastic surgery as well. So they have to promote vanity. Right. Do you want a bum lift and look like J-Lo? <laughs> Here, this is how you're going to look. That kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe. Do you, Dan? Uh... <laughs> I mean, it was the first thing that came to your mind. I'm in a, I'm in a good place to say I'll take the fifth. Fair enough. Okay, um, moving straight on to the second uh, item we've got. Um, Dan's um, been very, what's the word, like when you're good at school? I don't really remember that word. didn't apply to me a lot. 
homework. Yeah, it's a bit like you've been doing your homework. You've been listing things that uh, might be worth going to photograph in the near future. Yeah. Yes, I have. So I've got a few events, um, bits and pieces that are coming up over the next month. Um, they are in the northeast. So uh, if you're anywhere else and I've missed some bits off, then let me know. I'll surely add them into the next episode. Um, there's uh, the Cherry Blossom Festival in Washington, D.C., which happens in March. Um, it lasts about two weeks. Um, it's great to go and see. Big tip, go as early in the morning as you possibly can before the, all the crowds come out. And you can do some interesting framing with some of the state buildings and um, all of the architecture that's around. But it's well worth going to do it. Um, the first week is probably better than the second because people end up bashing the trees and all of a sudden cherry blossoms everywhere. Yeah, um, brown uh, cherry on. blossoms that have had a bit of time yeah. to... Yeah. <laughs> right. And people have been trampling all over them by that point. So it's not it's not cool. But the first week is normally the best to go. Um, like I said, last two weeks, maybe three. We've had a fairly warm winter here um in the uh on the east coast so i don't know if it's going to be a little bit earlier but it's certainly in march you may want to check it out um and book now if you can because even now it's running a bit tight on uh on, on getting hotels there i think for that time of year um but uh it's it's beautiful it, you should i don't know if you've ever been um adam but it's it's it's, it's stunning to so see. the world's most famous swamp of course i've been i went to the air and space museum <laughs> but have you been for the cherry blossom festival no no you should go this year with your camera top tip but then i'd have to go to washington again right yeah you would but i i, um... I may meet you and buy you a drink just as, just as a bit of an enticement right there and i know you like alcohol i've seen you drink that's a fair point and those allegations were never proven although <laughs> just proven by you as a witness right then but apart from that um, it is, of course, the same month as uh, the um, the photography show in uh, Birmingham, UK, uh, which is slightly cheaper for me to get to on a UK train than across the Atlantic, although right. only slightly. All right, but there's there's not so many pretty things in uh, in Birmingham. No, but then we don't have to go to Birmingham either. We we go to the air <laughs> we go to the airport where the exhibition <laughs> centre is. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, I like Birmingham. Nothing it's, against it. Hasn't it's, got it's really, really, it's the Luftwaffe's fault. Like, there are lovely exhibition centres right in the middle of major German cities, thanks to the efforts of the USAF and the RAF. But um, the Birmingham Exhibition Centre has to be out in what used to be fields next to the airport because nobody thought to level a large enough area of the city to put an exhibition centre in. <laughs> How inconsiderate. I know, I know. I wonder if I should edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so the other event that's going on um, is in Pennsylvania. Um, um, it's a few other places in the northeast, but Pennsylvania mostly is the snow grease, snow geese, Greece. I don't know what Greece is. Snow geese migration, um, which happens around about the twenty seventh to the thirtieth of um, Feb. Um, and um yeah you can go and see that at the it says many locations in brackets on your net but it's um it's great to go and see so if you get there at dusk uh you know they all kind of start nestling down and and settling down on the water or they're, they're they're starting to roost um and if you get there just before daybreak you'll get them just as they all take off and they all take off simultaneously or in very large very very large groups and it's just an amazing spectacle to go and see um I highly, I highly recommend going. 
I was going to ask if they had uh, screenings of that Tom Hanks movie with the Airbus and the Hudson. Um, that was a goose, wasn't it? That was a goose. It went straight into the uh, engine. <laughs> Sucked in. Um, right, okay. So if you go to... Uh, there's a place called Middle Creek in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's got a few bits of jetties around it. And there's a few there's a few waterways around that area that's, that's got snow geese in. But that one's particularly got a large... Uh, a large population um well worth going to see i'll probably be going on the 27th and 28th of feb and so that's the day to avoid it folks yeah (laughs) and if you see me wandering around with uh with a ridiculously short lens for this kind of work then uh give me a nudge say hello um but yeah that's well worth going to see but just do, do be prepared to stay late and get up early uh check out a local hotel if you can uh, well worth going to see. Great for you wildlife photographers, which goes into the next one pretty well um, because uh, the Winter Wonderland shooting is back on at the Wolf Conservation Centre in South Salem. Um, they have various dates available, which is the next one's the 16th, which I think is fully booked, and 29th, um, the 15th of March, the 27th and 28th of March, and it costs about 100 bucks to go. Um, and you're let in a very early, or you stay out in the in the early evening um, after the park, before the park opens, or, or after it closes. And you get roughly about two hours to spend with the wolves, and they let you get fairly close to them. So it's really worth going to see uh, with um, your super 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 zooms um, to go and check that out. Um, and it's it's it's, it's yeah, I've been once, so I'm going to be going again. Um, I'll probably go in the late March on the 28th. Uh, which Salem is that? Is that the one with the witches? Or yes, the very same, South Salem. I, I've been there. Yeah, South Salem, New York. Ago. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful up there. It really is. Um, and uh, there's lots. It's of in Massachusetts, there. though, surely. No, New York, South Salem, New York. Um, it's not. It's not the witches one, though. Nywolf.org is the uh, is the. Um, website if you want to go and book that um and if you've got kids they've got things for kids going on as well um but you can go and check that out at uh nywolf.org i highly recommend it um and they've got i think they've got like i said i think the 28th of march is the last one they've got in the book um they've got nothing beyond that right now as i flick through their calendar um but yeah i highly recommend it there's a lot in new york isn't there i'm, there I'm exploring the map yeah, <laughs> South Salem really is stunning. There's there's so much to see and do there. Um, the old town is is great. There's a nice little deli there actually. I got a very nice bagel last time I went. It was very big and delicious. I think it must have been about hundred calories just in the meat that we put in it, but it was good. I can believe that. Sorry, I'm just I haven't quite realised the the size of the journey I made when I went New York, Washington, uh, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> um, oh, Buffalo is a trek, even from here, let alone from Washington. But there's some famous water nearby. Yeah, so some falls of some sort. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember what it. Yeah, noisy though. Anyway, very wet. <laughs> um, Which water normally does make you wet? That's true. You're not prepared. Is that what you're telling me? I wasn't prepared for it. I had to buy one of those like one dollar plastic blue things to wear. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you go on the Angel of the Mist or whatever it's called, the little boat that goes around the bottom? Did you yeah. do the whole tour thing? 
You can see the whole some water from there for sure. <laughs> yeah. But in fairness, you could from dry land as well. <laughs> well, that's true. Did you go to? The, did you see it from the Canada side as well? No, no, I didn't fancy another several hours in immigration as a, an Englishman. Oh, right, yeah, well, I do that. I made the mistake. I actually did a photo shoot in Clayton, New York, um, and I was there, I was there uh, January two years ago, I think, and on the way up there, it was it was, it was was horizontal snow. It was like that Starfield effect that you got on Windows 3.11 on the screensaver. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, I do remember that. It was like driving through that the whole frigging way. Anyway, I, I get there, I do my photo shoot, and, and um, I, I didn't really look exactly where it was on the map when I was going. I was just following the GPS and trying to make sure I wasn't going to crash off the road that I couldn't see very well. Um, and when I eventually got there, and, and the guy saw these, the, 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 this is the, uh, the Thousand Islands, named after the source, right in the middle, and over there's Canada. And I thought it would be a great idea for me to get in my car and drive to Canada. I thought, okay, I've never been. Why not go to Canada? So I, I, I did some photography in the town. Did some nice street photography. There was no one. Um, I got in the car, drove over into Canada, and um, I got the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, am I allowed to say that? I guess so. I just well, did... surely it's the French Inquisition. Well, yeah. <laughs> half French, half English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and thankfully, he could speak great English. So I had, this, I had the English Inquisition when I got to the... Um, uh, the border and I was there for about 20 minutes half an hour and they they let me in and of course I, I drove into Canada and of course it's just like the New York side is very cold with nothing there with nobody around so I was there about 40 minutes got something to eat turned around and drove back much to the bemusement of the man who let me back into the, the New York I did not just see you drive in and I was like yes nothing suspicious I have now got I've been to Canada <laughs> yeah, uh, what, what do you mean you want to check the entire boot and all the car's cavities for drugs <laughs> Exactly. Right. I'm not a drugs mule. I just wanted to look at Canada and do a bit of tourism. Of course. I'm not a drugs mule. Um, I'm a dealer. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> so, and he did look in the car, funnily enough, um, and he wanted to see my camera. I told him I was a photographer. He said, if you're a photographer, you have a camera. I said, yes, here it is. Um, he took the lens and, off, checked inside, just to be sure. Yeah, and then he got, cavity my there. he got my sensor dirty, which I was very unhappy about. Um so, um, which they never paid for. I did send them the bill, actually. <laughs> Admirably optimistic of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then I went back the other direction. But that was my, I don't know where I was going with that. How did we get onto Clayton, New York? I'm not too sure. But that was my, um, that was my... Uh, uh, you were my... asking if I'd ever bothered to cross to Canada. And the answer That's is, right. yeah, only at about 20,000 feet, though. No, it OK. Looked, that it looked cold from there. <laughs> and it was cold from the ground too um so that was my story about my visit to canada and i've not been back fair enough um i mean i hear good things but only from canadians and democrats uh, i need to um I, I do need to go there i want to go to banff um and, and see the national park there because it's meant to be stunning from a photography perspective it's meant to be very good um and i think oh i've got other news too um, I'm actually going to Sony Kando. We're talking about events. I'm going. Sony um, Kando? You'll yes, have to tell us what um, it is. Yes, it is a um, it is an event over three days um, where the like-minded creative people all get together, um, normally invited by Sony at the first instance, and then you can get, yeah, you can apply um, via the Sony Universe um, 
and um, yeah, so uh, it's uh, a lot of lectures, um, a lot of uh, sets are set up for you, all the creatives get together, it's a very good place to do some networking, um, learn a bit more about photography, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's very good. So I went in um, two years ago, um, I had a great time, I didn't go last year, I was very, very busy. Um, this year I'm not so busy, so um, I've booked. Um, and um, uh, I think we're going to spend an, uh, the, an entire week in the area, and it's in Idaho. So I think we're going to spend some time on the Salt Flats in um, right near uh, Salt Lake City. Um, and then after we're done at Cando, I think we're going to go off and visit some of the national parks. Yellowstone is only um, a, a short drive away from there. When I say short, I mean four or five hours. Um, I'm hoping we can get to Glacier um, National Park if we can. Um, but if not, it's no biggie. We'll just have to be happy with Yellowstone. But we'll see. But I'm looking forward to the whole trip. It's going to be very good. Yeah, that sounds fun. I've always wanted to see the Salt Flats. Not enough to oh, really? go because it's inconvenient for everywhere. But I think it would be interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really looking forward to going. Okay. Oh, and it says focal length needed pack a bit. Oh, right. Yeah, that was uh, in reference to the other um, uh, the other events that's going on. So with the Cherry Blossom Festival, if you're going to that, um, it's a good idea to take some macro uh, lenses because you'll be doing a lot of macro work. Um, 35mm, I think, uh, mostly all primes. I wouldn't bother taking anything like uh, 2470 or anything like that. I would, I would, uh, I would do something with uh, primes and macros. Um, if you are going to do the snow geese and the winter wonderland at the Wolf Conservation Centre, um, then you're going to need some super zoom. telescopic sight. I mean, sorry, yeah. a zoom, zoom, a zoom, a zoom. <laughs> yeah, at least a 400 mil, I would say, for the snow geese. Or if you've only got 200 and you've got a full frame sensor, put it into crop mode. Um, you might lose a bit of megapixels, but it means you'll just get that extra distance to to do that shoot. So that's a nice little cheat there for you as well. Um, and the same applies to the uh, the Wolf Conservation Centre. You should be able to get a little bit longer lens. Uh, in there to get right really close up to the to the wall's faces but you're you're fairly close with that one but a 400 mil should be fine um or you can put a, a 1.5 um extender um you may lose a bit of image quality doing that but again the other trick is put into APS-C mode and and, and use the crop um uh for sony kando they lend you lots of stuff there so you don't have to worry about taking lots of gear particularly if you're shooting sony email they've got a load of stuff there um so i wouldn't worry about taking loads of kit and worry about not having various bits because you can borrow it when you're on site for three days which is fairly cool i've been having fun with a new toy this week oh yeah what's that um yeah i've got um into review uh the power vision power egg x um the power yeah, egg is yeah it's the weirdest thing anyway because it, it, the old one used to sort of open it, all of its legs you couldn't see it when it was shut it just looked like a rugby ball or an american and this football. is a, this is a drone and, correct and it's a drone yeah and then in the body were four arms and then and you just took the end off and there was a camera that could rotate all the way you know so it basically was an inspire it was you know 4k thing and you could just chuck it up in the air and you had a wii mote style controller it was it was not short of innovation right 
And then with the Power Vision Power Egg X, they've completely chucked all of that. And now the egg sits pointing forwards like a sort of traditional fuselage. And you can plug in the uh, legs to you know give it arms like a drone. Or you can take them out and put in a hand grip and use it as a stabilised camcorder. Or put it on a tripod and have it track you in a slightly spooky way. Wait, uh-huh. I mean, whether there's any scenario where you do that, because if you're doing a makeup video, I think you generally sit still, don't you? But right. <laughs> um, but yeah. you know that there, there is this thing anyway. Is um, it's a it's a genuinely weird thing. Obviously, you couldn't take it with you to any of your national parks because you're not allowed to fly in the national parks, are you? No, but, no, you're uh, not. But well, but you could do your camcording at hand level. Yes, you could. And and I was going to say, I have actually used the. Um... I've used the DJI Mavic Pro and the Auto Evo, uh, where I've where I've turned the drone on and used it as an image stabilizer, um, and not actually fired the drone up. <laughs> so just turn it on and start the bat- recording. Battery lasts a lot longer that way. It does, yeah, a lot longer. Um, and it's a free way and a cheap way to use it as an image stabilizer when you've not got anything else to use. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, this this power egg, um, it, they've thought that through to the extent that the phone, your phone, can be used as a recording device. So whatever video you're shooting, the sound is captured by your phone. So oh, either you, cool. either you're describing what's happening while it's flying at some distance, or you're using it as a local microphone um, when you're using it as a camcorder on a stick. But right. uh, yes, I find it hard to believe no one's thought of that before because the other two options, total silence or meh from the fans, which uh. is all we've heard on previous aircraft. But there you go. Um, yeah, surprisingly fun thing. So when is that out and how much is it? You can buy them now directly from the manufacturer. Although I'm not seeing it on Amazon yet. It's right. um, about 800 euros dollar i get you know it's all sort of the same isn't it at the moment um in the flying slash camcorder explorer edition um and chuck in another 300 and it also comes with a waterproof shell and skids and a spare battery so you can land it on water take off from water and fly it in rain apparently i haven't actually had a day yet where We've had some rain, for sure, but we've also had a hurricane, which puts it slightly above the Storm Force 4 that it says I'm allowed to try it at. So... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was um, I've been watching the uh, the videos online of uh, planes trying to land at Heathrow. Um, yeah, and then not doing. And then, then to go take it off again. <laughs> and I guess your drone would have suffered a little bit worse than the uh, big jumbo jets that well, were trying to land. Cr- crucially, one. not mine. One I have to give back afterwards, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I've already, um, I already misunderstood testing the. Uh, it's got um, collision sensor at the front, um, but the collision sensor doesn't work in its equivalent of sport mode, which confusingly is called P, uh, I think, or it's. I don't know. Anyway, I put the switch into that, and I on the menus I chose collision sensor on, and it's like, yeah, collision sensor on, sure. So then I flew it towards a bin to see when the collision sensor would kick in, and it didn't, and smashed up some propellers and then i checked again and it was like oh no no not during that mode like even if i said yes i didn't mean it it's you know it's the first iteration of the software and obviously that sort of little 
bug will go but the physical switch once moved into like the normal flight mode the thing you know went just like the dji ones ah i'm scared but right 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 in, that's in, like in its fastest mode it will cheerfully fly into anything right 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 yeah that's like ludicrous mode on the on the on the auto evo as soon as you enable that it turns all the sensors off so the, yeah. the the one time when you want it not to yeah, get yeah. things very not fast, necessarily it much can. faster it is notice in fairness it is it's incredibly agile for something that shape much more so because you know we've used to things getting a bit smaller but the when the eggs arms are out they're bigger than a phantom i mean I, i'm shaped like an egg and i'm not very that i'm not very mobile <laughs> oh but yeah but it's you know good wind resistance right i guess so yeah i guess so but you've had fun with it yeah I, you... I, I liked it a lot more the camera's maybe not quite as good as you'd hope it's a one over 2.8 rather than one over 2.3 so the sensor's a bit smaller right than, can you than put some. filters on it does no, it have filters it doesn't seem to have a filter thread that hasn't really come up in this weather um what i'm interested to find out is what happens when there's a bit of spray around when it's in waterproof mode, when it's in the shell like how quickly right. the water drips off right I'd be interested to fly in uh, into into a bit of cloud as well. I know from a from a, uh, a stabilization. I, I want to keep my license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. From a stabilization point of view, that's probably not the best idea. But I'd be interested to see how the shell would cope with that, um, even if the uh, the propellers probably uh, had a bit of a tough time keeping the it in motors. The air. I would wonder about, but I don't. You know, well, I'm not so, the expert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there have been. Um, oh, you know, I am. <laughs> I have. Um, <laughs> Hang on a minute. I don't know if you've been following the news in this country, but there have been quite a few um, drone crashes, um, or one that made a lot of attention, which was the police flying a Matrix M two hundred, and believing, with some optimism slash not te- not caring because they were the police, uh, about whether they could or could not fly it in uh, bad conditions, and the thing falling out of the sky. Oh, whoops! And, Where, what but did it not land on? on to anyone's head, uh, so no. it was fine. Or, or the motorway, anyway. No, I, I think it was. You know, no, nothing terribly serious happened, but it could have done, and everyone was very embarrassed. Whereas I know, of course, you're not allowed to fly them in America because they're Chinese. Oh, right, I know. Yeah, they're really clamping down on a lot of that kind of kind of stuff now. Um, I'm wondering. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to impact the new dji when it comes out too because that's the what that's the one they're really going after and bitching about well they'll go after the successful one won't they when they find that all of them have their parts made in china they're going to be in real trouble <laughs> right what they're all made in china we can't ban all drones oh apart from hang on a minute what's that one the um the sky the, you mean the, the skydio the um the one can and avoid things yeah i think yeah. it's you know it's it's i think that certainly all of the components come from China, if not the actual final build. Right. And so um, it wouldn't the be the life. first... Because Silicon Valley has shown a number of attempts, haven't they, at drones? Never very successfully. The, previously, there was the GoPro drone, which... Which fell out the sky ba- a lot. Bad karma, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, beta problem. It was quite a nice idea, but it sort of relied on you having a GoPro which everyone right. in the GoPro office probably did, but when they were addressing the wider market... Right, yeah. and then plus, you had to find a drone, yeah, and then very, spend like $400 ve- on 
Brigging Exa- camera. Exactly, exactly. And a very bit, bad bit of uh, software timing just before Christmas, I think. Um, right. And then there was... Oh, what's it called? It looked really quite slick. Black thing. Um, Not the 3DR. Yes, the 3D robotics thing, which was also also no, insisted that you had a GoPro. Yes, um, did. Was also was built by like a man who used to be the editor of um, Wired magazine and still didn't get an unlimited amount of good publicity, although he got a lot of publicity, didn't he? Yeah, it was expensive. It didn't work very well. And they built it in Mexico. Right. Um, and did all of the VR, you know, Mark and everything else in California. And I bought the 3DR, um, and the software on it was fantastic. The software features was easy to use. Um, it was, it was, it was a very good, from a software perspective, I think it was a great drone. But again, that was one of those drones that you could put the, um, when you put the, uh, the, the, uh, the GoPro on, um, if you had it in wide mode, I mean, the, 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 the distortion, the lens distortion on it was ridiculous. Um, and oh, again, and they didn't uh, ship the gimbal when it started. That was the other thing. It didn't exactly. have a motorized gimbal. So when it came out, it just had the thing stuck on with a rubber band, like one of those toys you buy now. Right, 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 right. And, and I think that the, the one that I bought, they, they'd eventually fixed that. It was motorized by the time that we, uh, the, the time that I got it. That, that, and that I was a cost the... option that came late right. to market. So it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think I bought that in the B and H sale, fairly cheap. Um, as my curiosity for aerial photography kind of started ramping up um, to, to kind of fever pitch. But um, I, uh, I enjoyed that drone. I enjoyed the drone. I didn't enjoy the GoPro. I thought it sucked. No, they were they were annoying. Um, and and I mean, that... all over the place. I did have I did have a bigger drone, like a built drone, based on that, a better version of, but essentially that same air, uh, hard, you know, brain uh, for want of a better word and and it was it was impressive but i just by then dji were making a new thing every four to six months and they just weren't keeping up right i think i will take the drone with me and, and i'm going to fly over the salt flats so um in actual fact I do need so to... aren't the salt flats a national park no no they're oh. not Oh, that's right then. Okay, moving on to the... Um, sorry. We spotted in the news uh, for our third item that Tatsu Suzuki, like the Jeep, is uh, being removed from the ambassador program at Fuji because he's been pointing his camera at people in an obnoxious and provocative way, just sort of going up to them and grabbing them with his camera. Um, not grabbing them in a, um American president sense, of course. That would be wrong. Um, but this is simply bad for the photography brand holding an expensive camera is not a license for obnoxious and provocative style of of street photography is uh, the quote and uh, the commentator on f-stoppers andy day what was once deemed heroic is now seen as pathetic um i don't know if he put that intonation on it but so is street photography as we know it dead i i've never accosted someone in the same way that, that he has I think there's been times where I've asked people in a very nice and roundabout way, and and I think New York, I think the the US has got very different street photography laws to many of the many other countries, very liberal. So, um, you know, I can take a picture of someone if it's in the street. There's there's nothing they can do about it. But there's there's, there's got to be a point where 
if they see you and you're encroaching in, you know, a moderately wide personal space, um, you should ask. Do you mind if I take your picture? And I've I've done that. Um, and I've done it with sometimes some, with some amusing results. I saw this I saw this one lady who was um, taking a, a selfie of herself outside the Rockefeller Center. Um, and she had her phone out, obviously at arm's length, and she was bouffanting her hair and she put her hat on top and she was looking at the camera. And I went up to her and I said, would you mind if I took a picture of you while you took your selfie? But then I started thinking, well, how long can I keep her in that pose before she starts getting a bit suspicious that I'm actually taking the piss a little bit? Um, so um, I think I maybe kept her in that pose, exactly the same pose for about two minutes before she actually looked away from her phone, looked at me and said, are you done yet? Two whole minutes, huh? You have to be congratulated for a man of your age. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> I know, I high-fived myself afterwards after she left. Um, but I did, um, um, but I, you know, I, I, I did ask her for, for, for if I could take a, if I could take pictures. And like I said, if I'm if I'm encroaching on their space, uh, there were some ladies that I took some pictures of at Coney Island. They was having a good time together at lunch, and um, they was having a great time. I said, look, I just want to take some pictures of you, you guys talking. They thought it was a bit weird, but they carried on and they was enjoying each other. And I took some pictures, got some great stuff. But I think that when you start getting into people's faces in that kind of manner, I think if you're not punched in the face, um, I'd be very surprised um, because I think that's fairly rude. No, I mean, I, I understand where Fuji's coming it, from. I mean, it's worth saying that in this shot, um, he's got presumably a 35, you know, a, a, quite a wide lens. And the woman who is obviously not that happy about having her photo taken while maybe jogging past, her hand is taking up about a quarter of the frame. You know, it must be quite near the lens. This is the example given. And everything else has been removed from the Fuji site. The real question is why they thought it was fine before. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how long has this guy been doing it, though? That's what I, I kind of wonder. Unless he's had a lot of previous work before they've really discovered how he's actually doing it. Well, I mean, maybe, think... he's, maybe he's fairly famous in Japan and, you know... It, yeah, it maybe didn't, I don't didn't know fit street... with the the rules of society now. Right, I don't know what the street photography rules are in in Japan. I'd be interested. I might that's a, a little note for me to follow up. I'm going to research that. Um, and if you look at the F-Stoppers website, I think they've just refreshed one of the pictures at the top of their page, and you can see him getting, you know, fairly aggressive into people's faces. Um, it's pretty pretty horrific. Um, that one that you saw. I, that I was interested in the the Andy Day quote though. You know, th this sort of thing used to be seen as heroic yeah, by I don't street know. photographers. There's a, there what... is an element of truth in that, isn't there? There is a sort yeah. of like, yeah, some street photographers think of the one themselves as the people who get in there right. and you know do stuff that normal people just take you know on holiday take a view of the street you know, um, whereas the street photographers get right in and. Right. And I think I think that kind of mentality is limited to a very few amount of street photographers. Um, uh, I think that I think the ones that would that truly believe that are the ones that pitch themselves as being some kind of some kind of street hero. Um, I think there's no need for it. I really do. I think there's no need for it. I think that. Yeah, I, I think that if people are, are putting their hand up to stop themselves being seen, 
I think you've got to think, well, where does the where does the art stop and where does harassment start, right? You're treading on that fine line at that point. So um, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't want to really paint heroism as something which is actually harassment. I mean, that's not cool, right? I I, I tend to agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think I've never harassed anyone too much. I mean, around my way, if I harassed them <laughs> too much. <yeah. laughs> If I've harassed them with any cameras, the chances are I'd lose my camera. So mild harassment doesn't count here, obviously. Well, I think all street <laughs> photography is mild harassment. <laughs> well, no, I'm just test. I'm just testing the audience now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're just going to see if you get loads of pelters back. I've not, you know, I've not received as many death threats as as maybe someone who's really succeeded in life would have done. You know, like. Leading politicians, um, annoying commentators, that kind of thing. They get a lot of abuse, don't right. they? Whereas my they Twitter do. thing's relatively light. Right, exactly. But the only time that I that I really got um, any kind of, um, let's call it abuse, for want of a better word, there was a, uh, I was I was in the, uh, down the Lower East Side somewhere, and there was a, 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 a I think it was, um, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, but there was there was one particular street that had some brownstones, and there was a, a lady sitting down on the on the stair. She must have been um, in her sixties, and there was a man who was almost dressed like he was from the Midwest. He had a big cowboy hat on. He had his big boots on, and he was he had the one left boot up. And for those in the UK, Jeremy Clarkson style on the step up as if it was <laughs> the the uh, the the. the uh, uh, bumper of a car, but he had. Uh, we we uh, on the streets, or we on a sort of project territory, just for my no, picture of it. It was in the brownstones. This is the beautiful houses that you get, big brownstone houses, and the, with a big sta- wide staircase at the front, and it, it was a great shop. So I I had a um, I had a five hundred mil lens in my bag. I don't know what I was doing with a five hundred mil lens. I think I came from somewhere with it in. So I got it out. And of course, it's big and white, and I'm standing down the end of the street, putting it down them, and they spotted me. And of course, they started yelling at me, you need permission, blah, blah, blah. I thought, okay, I'm not going to go there. Let me put the camera away, particularly because this man is dressed as a cowboy. I've got no idea what is, uh, you know, has he got a gun license? I don't know. I'm not going to try and find out. Let me put the camera away. (laughs) So that was the only time that I really got um, told no from someone um, that I didn't really get permission from. Um, not that I needed it, but I could have quite happily taken a picture. But at that point, I just thought, if they're that uncomfortable with me being here, I'm not going to be here. And this is why I think this guy is very brazen. I think there's nothing heroic about that. But that's just me, I think. That's uh, very modest. Um, what is it? Very even-handed and reasonable of you. I'm, I'm very disappointed that you didn't choose to <laughs> vehemently take one side or another. That's uh... No, well, I, I think I'm on the Fuji side here. I think, they, I think they're doing the right thing. I, I think, well, it's their brand, I isn't think... it? They've got to be careful. Right, I think the problem is, is that once you start, once you start showing that that's the norm, then what you're going to get is loads of people with, that, that have bought Fuji cameras that are influenced by their marketing, that have gone out and bought them. And think, right, okay, I'm now going to go and shove this camera in everybody's face, and it's okay because some dude does it in Japan, and it's okay. And Whereas, it's of not- course, if they had Leica cameras, they'd be a much better class of asshole. <laughs> Edit point. <laughs> Oh no, that's staying in. That's staying in, is it? Okay, all right. Um, but I, I mean, think that... you know, Leica, they've got money, haven't they? Like the Fuji's yeah. only pricey, whereas the Leica's, you know, positively immoral. Right. And I think that, again, 
going back to my point about every country's got different street laws, right? So if, while it might be okay to do that in Japan and get away with it because technically it's not doing anything wrong. I hear it's okay you, to do a lot in Japan and get away with it. Uh, apparently so. Um, particularly if you're dressed as a Hello Kitty thing. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, um, yeah, but even in the UK, the laws are stricter. So technically, street, street photography in the UK, um, if someone turns around and says, no, I don't want my picture... You can't do anything about it. You have to follow that rule. Um, so, the, you know, there's uh, the US is the only place where it's really that loose that you could just say, OK, I'm going to go out and take pictures. And even in the UK, they're a bit, a bit tougher. Uh, I think in some places in Europe, they're even stronger. I think France has got some pretty strong street photography uh, uh, laws. So that's just because they don't want anyone coming and replacing Cartier-Bresson. <laughs> well, there is that, yeah. Uh, maybe we, that's we've they... had our street photographer, and, and it's you know his record set in stone, and uh, we can't have you know we, we don't like changing the museums around. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, so we're going to put all these rules in place, which means that you can't do the same thing. Anyway, um, I think that's uh, one of those discussions that could literally run and run, especially if I try and make weak jokes all the way through. So, um, <laughs> and should, should we move into? The... Yeah, we've not even got to our creative advice section, have we? best focal length for street photography is the natural right. follow-up <laughs> there you go yeah so i think i think it all depends on your style right and it all depends exactly what you really want to go for um the 35 millimeter would always be my choice i'd always pick up the 35 millimeter i have picked up the 50 previously uh, i think working with a prime is always best um so I would, I very rarely would pick out a zoom. There's some people that are quite happy to walk around with a 2470. That to me just isn't. It it doesn't really give me the bokeh that I want. It means that I can. It doesn't really mean that I can work in super super low light, particularly if I'm in a, in the metro or if I'm in, um, you know, maybe a a, a hallway, it's, it's in a a shopping mall or something, or it's undercover. Shooting with a with a prime, a 1.8 prime of some sort, a 35 millimeter. Uh, a 50 mil and um, in some cases a 25 and that's the talking about fuji that x 100v um has got a 20 something millimeter lens on it which in my opinion i think that's perfect for street photography i think it's a fantastic focal length um because you can capture a whole ton of stuff um in that you can capture the surroundings of someone you can capture someone's emotion if you're getting close enough close enough uh, <laughs> obviously not putting in people's faces um so between 22 and 35, but if your style is really getting in tight, I've seen people do it with a 90 millimeter with a macro, um, um, and they're really cool. They're really cool to use. Um, but again, it all depends on your style. But I would always go for a prime, um, and I think that, in my opinion, that 35 millimeter is the lens that you always pick up. It's got a nice natural, um, um, natural view of the world, as if you're looking out through through your natural eyes. Your natural eyes are allegedly 35 millimeter with the with the with the spot in the middle that's that's always in, in it's funny in i always tell people it's 50 i always think it's 35 it if you count the blurry bit around the edges or not doesn't it right that's what i'm saying yeah so i think that i think it's actually wider than 35 yeah I think yeah but the, the fovea the what is it the the fovea the point in the middle you know the very high resolution section of your eye is like is is no, it's much closer than that. It's like a one mil zoom. It's but your eyes always moving around while you're alive, and um, that was threatening, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but when you when you're taking in a scene, you you know you look and you instinctively look straight at the eyes, 
and then you quickly sort of move between details and you know bits of it are constantly being refreshed in your head as your eyes dart around the scene which is why you get well which is why people's eyes seem to move around in that creepy and unsettling way right yeah unless unless you do a thing that michael kane tells you and now he says concentrate on one point and then your eyes don't jump around in weird ways um but the anyway, I digress. The uh, but I think thirty-five mil to me, I think is the is, is is the perfect view. I think it's more of a natural view viewpoint of the world that you would see. You're right. I think that the, the the middle bit is always the bit that you focus on for when you're you're looking. That's that's how you see. Um, but in terms of the whole picture, you would dart around, and I think you would see a thirty-five millimeter view of the world. Um, and that to me, I think is the the absolute sweet spot, particularly if you're talking about super urban. Right. Yeah, if well, I think if you're doing your super urban and you're doing your street photography scenes, then, and and forgive me on the quality score, but like these days, the higher end iPhone, for example, with the three lenses, one uncomfortably wide, then it's about what twenty seven. You know, it's it's in it's around thirty millimeter equivalent is the standard phone lens, and yes. it's a bit over fifty is the what it calls two times. Is effectively, you know, the other street lens. So you've got your perfect street lenses right there to experiment with whenever you want in a way that is not going to unsettle people in the same way that pointing a Fuji in their face might. Um, or at least if it does, it's you can be a bit more discreet with a phone, can't you? Yeah, I guess so. I'm just trying to look. I've got four lenses on my phone, and I can't remember it. That's the telephoto and the ultra wide. Do- do they all work? Are they for working lenses, or is one of them doing like creepy computing stuff? One, I think one of them is depth sensing, sensing and then I've got a, I've got a 0.5, I've got a one and a three times a telephoto. I think the wide uh-huh. is, the wide is 15 mil, and it's the Motorola Zoom. Um, it's a mid-range phone. Um, I'm still mourning the loss of my BlackBerry. Um, so yeah um, which we've covered in a previous episode um yeah we have yeah <laughs> um that's a much, as much to keep dan under control as to encourage you to go back and listen to that episode <laughs> right so um which my blackberry couldn't do this but it is kind of cool but the the three times i think is 65 millimeter i believe um uh, yeah and I, I i really enjoy using it it's it, it's great but it's 15 mil um, and I like the 15 millimeter, the 15 millimeter wide. I use that a lot, and I mean a lot. I've actually got it for my uh, Lumix. Actually, I've got the 14 to 24, and that to me is a, a perfect street lens because I think that um, it covers the majority and almost to 30, 35, um, and it gives me that super wide angle that I liked as well. So I, I, I enjoy that. Um, but the 15 mil has its uses, but it wouldn't be the first lens I'll pick up and take out for sure. Um, unless you're doing super urban stuff, it could be handy. Sorry, I went a bit quiet there, didn't I? But then Dan's now lent his head down and is taking notes. It's not an exam, Dan. I know, I always take notes. I always write things down, just in case I get asked things again at a later date. And I'll say, I don't remember saying that. And I'll look at my notes and I'll say, yes, I totally did say that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say... 35 mil, 30 mil, perfect. If you've got something like the lens that I've got, like the 14 to 24, uh, which is on the Sigma L mount, which is fantastic, I would pick that up too, because that would give you enough range, I think, um, if you didn't want to pick up a prime. I like I like to use the 50 mil prime, uh, which I know is, is cropping in a bit on that. Uh, but that saves me going too near anyone. 
Well, there is that, but with the, even with a 30, if you're using full frame, you could take the shot and crop in. in, in crop in after? No. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would I would do that. But like I said, with Super yeah, Urban... Why not simply it's... hold your camera at a jaunty angle? You can always fix but... it in Photoshop. <laughs> but I think when, when, when you're in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a city environment, sometimes 50, when you want to take something which, which has got a bit more of the environment in, even 50 can feel a bit too tight. Oh yeah, no, um, it's a limiting factor for sure. It's something that actually, yeah. well, I I think that it um, it makes you concentrate on people and stories a bit of the city rather than you know getting caught up taking nice visuals of you know making sure you get the right skyscraper in the background that kind of thing. I think it's too easy for me to get tempted to be a bit um, landscapey if I've got the full wide angle. Right, so you want to you want to concentrate on the on the people rather than the environment that they're in. Yeah, um, right. only because I probably wouldn't otherwise. It's it's, it's right. a way of forcing myself, I think. Right, right, it right, does, right. doesn't hurt that I actually have a 50mm prime and not a 35mm. Well, there is that. But uh, I would, and I think, I think, and this is just a, a personal preference, I like to put the person in a place. Uh, I like people to know where they are geographically, so just from looking at the picture. And like that guy, like the, 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 the Fuji guy, um, you know, it's very clear that everyone's in Japan because you can. It's very Japanese in the background. You know, New York. You tell someone was in New York. You'll tell someone was in London. You know, you wouldn't need to guess roughly where they are and what they're doing because it's, you can tell it's by the brand of the weapon being brandished by the person assaulting them. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that I think that that's that's an important part of the narrative that you would get from street photography. I think. Um, and that, and that's and you, know, you keep that by going um, to 35 mil. 50 mil doesn't allow you to do that as much in those environments. Uh, I think that if you're in a place like, um, um, you know, probably not as urban, that's, that's probably out in the open somewhere, that's probably a countryside or something like that, you could probably get away with a 50 mil um, quite quite easily. I would have thought. So it's not so nifty for you. Um. It's certainly a nifty lens, but I would take the 30 over the 50, yes. The not-so-50-30. Fair dues. All right, well, um, Dan's offered us two choices for our pro advice section. One, how to back up your data and keep it safe. <sighs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, but one that might actually be useful. Um, not saying that you shouldn't back stuff up. I'm just saying that find a web host that does the backing up for you, make sure you turn that thing on, and then just there you go. Right. Um, no, where... this, is, this is talking about your images rather than your your website. Oh dear! In that case, oh dear, you have to buy one of those big NAS things and then make sure you don't like when it gets full. Go ah, sod it. Which Basic. is yeah, but very tempting because hard drives aren't free, especially NAS quality ones. No, it's particularly when you need it in a RAID five or a RAID six environment for your for your NAS. It is. Um... Uh, it's very important to get something which is decent, but it's not necessarily the be all and end all. The most one of the most important things is is your cache on that um, on that NAS drive. Yeah, cache is the problem. Oh no, sorry, I see. Yeah, well, not not as in the green folding stuff. Um, the one with we the have, we on. have multicolored folding stuff in this country. <laughs> are, we, are we going into this topic? I'm more than happy to talk about it. Or are we going to talk about something? No, else? no, I think we're, uh, we're we're working our way past it, aren't we? I think we were going to say that I think the one that maybe could be more used to most people uh would be attracting clients online through ah. search 
Yeah. Ah. I mean, if you're claiming to actually have the answer to everyone's dream, which is to I, magically I, bring clients in. I do. And, and and again, this is this is particularly through search. So um, you've heard of something called SEO, of course, which is search engine optimization. No. And then it comes in comes in various different ways of doing it. There's your on-site SEO and there's your off-site SEO. So your off-site SEO is all of the, the backlinks that people give to you. Um, if someone's talked about you in the press, um, if you're available to get onto blogs and create backlinks or that kind of good stuff, I- images that you may have shared out that have got uh, metadata all in them, all that is off-site SEO. But there's stuff that you can do on-site on your website that you've got control of um, that can really help you um, fly up those search rankings. So number one is making sure that all of the um, all of the headers in your in your website, all of the images in your website match your subject data. So all of that information has to be there. So when someone searches something like, uh, uh, say for example, you as a commercial photographer called Adam and uh, you lived in East London, funnily enough. I can't think of anyone like that. Yeah, right. So what you would do is you would make sure that in your images, in your metadata, you would have Adam, commercial photographer, in your metadata. Uh, your website would have to have that in within the first paragraph, within the first hundred words. You would make sure you've got that in there at least once or maybe twice. Um, sometimes the reading isn't quite as natural as you would normally you would normally create for. Uh, a document or it wouldn't read quite as, as smoothly but make sure you've got those 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 keywords in there that really I helps. thought this was all very old-fashioned talk I thought something called semantic search had dealt with all of this some of it does to a certain extent but Google Google have gone back to um, I think I think they've probably gone back to how we probably used to do it probably three four years ago I think and the other thing that you gotta you got to make sure all of your tags that you've got on your website in all the images, all of the text, all, all is all married up on the first page. So all your H1 tags have, have make sure they've got at least that one of those keywords in. Um, um, and you can install if you're particularly if you're using WordPress, there's a there's a there's a plugin called Yoast that goes through and checks all of that, and it'll give you a nice little green box to tell you that's all correct. Um, and that's one way of being able to fly up the rankings pretty quick. If you get that nailed down, um, you can go from pretty much zero to, you know, maybe the second or third page of Google within within six months. And making sure you just do those very small minor changes, it can make a it can make a big thing, a big difference. But one of the most key thing, one of the most key cha- big biggest changes that you can make is be a local hero first. Don't go for, I am the commercial photographer of the world or I am the commercial photographer of the UK try and be a local hero because that's when Google knows roughly where you are so when people are searching the nearer you are the the nearer they are to you the chances of you getting higher up those rankings is going to going to occur and then what happens is the more clicks that you get that's going to push you up or more of the 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 rankings from a um a, a larger a larger cashment area so that really, really helps with some of your local search. And it's a really easy, small, smart thing that you can do to go off and double check. Um, and, it, and it works. Um, try and minimize the amount of uh, iframe tags that you have or iframe uh, uh, subjects that you have on the front of your uh, first page. Uh, Google doesn't read them, so it ignores them. So I don't have them. 
if you can avoid it. Uh, or if you do have them, make sure you put them near the bottom. So Google has to read all the way through before it gets to the bit it's going to ignore. Um, having things like uh, an email address visible is important to make sure it's a clickable, click-through email address. Um, if your URL or email address contains an area, that really helps. So I've registered the domain danley.myc. People can get to Dan Emily Photography by using that domain. So when people put in the search Danley New York, I come up because my domain is danley.myc, right? It, it works. Um, I've got a couple of other photography businesses where I do the same thing and it, it, it puts me up onto the first page of Google for those businesses and it, it really works. So that's another thing that you can do. It's just considered on site is by making sure that you have your URL and your domain match either your, your with a goal of trying to match your local hero status. It works. It's, it's, it's a really easy thing to do. Local hero. Nope. Can't remember. Oh, it's long, so long since that movie came out. There's no point making a joke out about it, is there? Local Hero. I don't even know what that film is. Is there a film called Local Hero? Yeah, it's one of those that in, people remember in Britain because Britain was noticed by the world again. No, I, I, I think I've seen that. But anyway, the, the doing doing those small SEO changes, they they work. Um, I've done them time and time again for uh, for my clients, for myself. Um, and it and it and it, and it really does work. Um, and again, if you're doing on-site SEO when you're creating your blog posts, um, it's a good practice to make sure that the the conical URL matches your H1 tag. Your canonical URL? Yes. You mean your whole site? No, we, the one that's particular for that blog post. Oh right, so Dave.com/slash/word-dash/word-dash/word. The three words in that. Yes, yes, that they would match at least something that's in your H1 tag, which describes what the blog post is. And then in turn, that H1 tag, you would have the same kind of keywords packed into any of the images which are on that particular blog post. So then and it's Google worth saying uh, that Dan doesn't mean that you have to create a whining, moaning self-diary about whatever you go on with your life. Oh, and then today, then, nah, then, nah, nah. um, You know, blog is just the, the structure whereby a lot of websites are built, including, you know, instructional, including that, you know, anywhere where you right. want to bring people to your site by adding content will likely be a blog, at least as far as the website is concerned underneath. And it will be right. built probably using WordPress or using one of the less good but slightly shinier looking equivalents from Wix right. or what have you. Yeah, or uh, or um, what's the other popular one, Squarespace. That's but it. the, uh, I mean, it, you know, I just I relaunched my website, um, uh, what a matter of uh, a month or so ago, um, and I went through and I changed. You know, I was blogging before, but I wasn't prolific. Um, something that I needed to get a handle on, which I've started to do a bit more of now. And again, I started looking into this and how I can improve it. Um, and once I implemented a lot of this structure into my blog that I was being a bit lazy about before, I'm now starting to be found for a lot of my reviews, a lot of my blog postings, a lot of my uh, guides to some of the national parks are now being found because I've been very meticulous about how I've been doing this and going through it. Um, and again, with the H2 tags, they can be a bit more descriptive about what that blog post is going to be about. Um, so as long as they're relevant to the whole page. And again, something else that you can do on site is making sure that any of your external links, that say I was talking about drones, for example, <clears throat> in my blog post, that uh, I could link to maybe Adam's website where he talks about drones a lot. But it, it would give my website some credence because the subject topic 
is pertinent to the actual uh, the, the points that I'm trying to make within. Um, and that's how you can boost your SEO um, in, in, a, in, a, in or your whole website in a very quick and easy way. Um, and, another and just... well while oh, well, sorry, another worthwhile thing doing these days um, is to inc- to embed content. So you know, if you don't have the time to create YouTube videos, but you want some of the action, embed somebody's YouTube video where they answer the question you're talking about. Uh, obviously, not so much if you're trying to sell your services, but if you're trying to keep eyeballs on your site, embedded videos, uh, putting in your Instagram things, various other embeds are very, very easy. It's yeah. not like and you have to learn a... code anymore. And right. you benefit from the time that the person is on your site looking at that thing. Yeah, and there is a um, there is a, a plugin, particularly for Android, uh, not Android for um, oops uh, for uh, WordPress, and I think it's called Embedly, and you can pretty much embed absolutely any kind of um, subject material. So it could be, you know, you, any kind of video, any kind of blog post, news story, anything. So if you were referencing some other bits of bits and pieces of news. You know, F-Stoppers just did it with that story we were talking about earlier, right? Uh, they were actually quoted off the FujiRumors.com website. So where they actually took that story, you know, butchered it up and turned it into their own with backlinks to the original Fuji story, one of the things they could have done was embed the original story on there so we didn't have to click through to look at it, um, even though you could have supplied a link. So we never would have needed to go anywhere else other than read everything that was just on that one website. And that's another great way, and Adam's right, it's another great way of being able to get eyeballs on your website and keep people interested there without necessarily uh, forfeiting any of the backlinks that you would put out there to alternative uh, 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 subjects on the matter that you're talking about. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a quick and easy way of doing that. But just remember that Google can't scan embedded content. It can only embed your content. It can only read your content. So if you're going to talk about something which is referencing another video or another website or another news story, just remember to write as much original content around that as you possibly can before you start quoting around separate content within an embed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely good point. You're just it's really there to add time, not to replace your work. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And 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 again, Google will know what you're what you're doing and adding the backlink to the original story is very important because Google will give you that credence, but to Adam's point, it's just making sure that you're not losing the click-through off to another website somewhere. You're keeping people on yours, and when they get to the bottom, they've then got an opportunity to comment, read read, read another story that may be there, uh, link to other stories on your own website that may be interested or maybe around that point. So just recently, I, I, did a, I did a post about travel tripods, and then I talked about what you would need for necessarily doing some other kind of styles and shooting, and in there I made a link back to the other page that said, look at these other these other tripods that I recommend for different shooting um, and you get a lot of credit for that so there's a lot of things that you can do which were which will boost your own website um, and clients will see this clients will see that you're you're talking about a subject a certain subject matter and keep on point as well so if your website in my opinion in, in my case the um, my website's about travel photography so I'm trying to keep a lot of the content that I've got on site about I either photography as a whole um, or ways to improve your travel photography or what you could buy to improve your travel photography or to help with that. Um, try and keep on point. So if you're a, a, a portrait photographer, 
what you could do is you could start blogging about on a regular basis about what people would need to do um, uh, Rembrandt's what they would need to do um, uh, fashion photography you know but keep it on point um, is, the, is, is what I'm trying to say makes a lot of sense I think so and uh, and your new site seeing new traffic already yeah yeah I've um, I've seen a, a, a big uptake in um, there's been a lot of interest in the Lumix 70 to 200 um, work in progress review that I put up a few weeks ago after I got the lens um, I've seen a lot of traffic coming into my uh, my uh, my photography store now. Um, I've seen a lot of traffic, but the blog has probably been the biggest attraction to my website now. Um, ever since I did those did those changes, where before it was mostly to my commercial website, mostly to my commercial photography stuff. But I think the uh, the blog has really overtaken that, and and people are starting to click through more than one story. So. Well, you're an author now as well, so that's going to be good for your authoritative and trust score, which Google Google looks for as well. Exactly, yeah. So what happens is is that if someone goes on your on one web page and then they come off it again, that's called a bounce. That and you get you get kind of dinged for that to a certain extent. But the lower the bounce score, the better. And the bounce to keep people bouncing off your website is to try and get them interested into other pages that are on your website, so they read more than one page. They don't just go on and come off again. That's a bounce. Um, and you want people to do as less of that as you possibly can. So there's things that you can do. Make a pop-up so people can subscribe to your newsletter. That's considered two bounces at that point. The other thing that you can do is make sure that in, they can see and navigate to the, the other stories that you've got on your website very easily and quickly. Um, that's very important. Um, and to Adam's point, yeah, you get you, you get seen as a, a, an authoritative voice or an, an authoritative score based on the fact that people aren't just logging onto your website and logging off again. So if you're talking about, in my instance, the, like I've just said, the Lumix 7200 story, people are reading that. They might be interested in mirrorless cameras. Why not put links to other pages on your website that may be talking about mirrorless cameras uh, and, and try and shoehorn that into the story at some point. So people go, oh, that's interesting. There's something else there. Let me go and click through for that. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, that are listening to this and thinking, okay, I'm been taught how to suck eggs but i'm hoping a lot of people find this useful too i mean it's a tricky one isn't it web stuff because there are yeah there are some people who come at it from the the webby side there are lots of people who sort of believe it's all some magical fair playing field and you know it has not occurred to them that people are trying to cheat the system such as you with your knowledge (laughs) right and there is some cool way if you're really not sure on how to do it and, and and or if you're not a web techie, there's a ton of services out there. GoDaddy have got a really good, a fairly cheap SEO service. Um, uh, I think they do 10 hours worth of SEO a month for offsite SEO. But they give you a lot of hints and tips on how to uh, how to do this. And if you're not too sure how to do it or you don't have a web developer, they'll quite happily do it for you. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it, it's worth investigating. And, and it's, it's one way to break through the crowd, particularly if you're, uh, an event photographer, a wedding photographer, where people are going online and actually searching for that, those kind of services, um, and particularly where it's so uh, aggressive, particularly in, in high metropolitan areas such as New York, San Francisco, Chicago, you know, Atlanta, all those areas have got a, a, a lot of wedding photographers running around in. Um, so it's worth trying to invest some time in this because uh, you really need to make a voice above some of the noise that's going on and and a voice that can be heard that's nice and clear. 
Yeah, no, no, no question there. It's definitely the the world where you do need to market yourself, however icky and unpleasant that may be, if you're English, um, or wonderful and show and telly that may be if you're American. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, on, on that note, I think it's uh, probably time to wrap up and say tally ho, chaps, because uh, we've had the mics on for a little while, and you must be getting a bit bored of us. I mean, how could they be bored of us? That's outrageous. Maybe your headphone batteries are running out. But the one thing I would say is that um, hopefully we're not abusing your ears like a Japanese photographer right now. <laughs> no, no. Right in there with the hands. Oh, no, exactly. On, there you go. We stayed on topic near enough the whole show. Yeah, we yeah. Got, in so far as we ever do, completely right. on topic. We, we got the street photographer in. We followed that up with some street photography lens advice, right? And I made a joke about the street photography at the end. I didn't shoehorn anything about street photography into the SEO part. I mean, I mean we are sounding a little defensive now. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was it. fine. All right. It's been lovely being in your ears. Thanks for listening in. Um, see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. You like you, you like uh, you like being in people's ears. I think I do. I do. You do uh, in the ear. That's revolting. No. I'm sure if I searched up for that on the internet, there's a fetish. For that <laughs> I knew. I knew this conversation was headed in that direction. And, it, and there's probably a meetup group for very weird people that like that kind of thing. Which I'm going to try and find one for you. Ah, oh, that brings us back to. Hollywood, California, I imagine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, laugh it out, laugh it out. Okay, all right. That was a that was a good balls up there. Okay, sorry about that. Well, the next uh, oh, edit point. <laughs> That's mostly because I farted um, while I was saying something. So I don't know if well, that comes up on the sound or not, but. Right. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear it here, and thankfully I can't smell it. Uh, well, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bit concerned when you said it would be boring people. I'm trying to point Sorry, out. Sorry, don't worry about boring. it. I mean, I only meant it in a light-hearted way. I, I haven't. Oh, I see. Know. I was almost offended. I'm, also, I haven't been testing my potty mouth out this week at all, which is a real shame. No. You haven't said f- or bugger. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Edit point. Okay. Yeah.